Hey all you rad dads out there. Hey what's up everyone, Rad Dad Brett here bringing you another episode of the Rad Dad Show. On this episode I had the pleasure of chatting with Brian Keenlan of the Bouncing Souls. Brian's the second of the Bouncing Souls to come on the show. We had singer Greg Adonito on last year so if you missed that interview go back and check it out after you're finished with this one. Brian's a musician, tattoo artist, and rad dad to two adopted daughters, Cora and Layla. We actually chatted quite a bit about adoption, and I really picked Brian's brain about the whole process. It's not something I think a lot of parents are overly familiar with, including me, so I found it totally interesting, and I think you will too. And if anyone out there is thinking about adoption and doesn't know where to start, Brian has some great information and food for thought here. We also talked about living in a quote-unquote safer world today, and we reflected on whether that meant a quote-unquote better experience for our kids or not. We talked about how having kids can change how you prioritize taking care of your own health as a parent. And of course, Brian shared what's next for the Bouncing Souls and the Beach Rats, and there's exciting news coming out of both of those camps. Brian is so much fun to talk to, and he's so passionate about everything he does, including his kids. I know you'll love this chat as much as I did. So without further delay, let's get into it. Here's Brian Keenlan of the Bouncing Souls on the Rad Dads Show. Okay, well, Brian, thanks for coming on the Rad Dad Show. I'm going to start the way we always do. Who are you? Um, well, thanks for having me. Um, I'm Brian Keenlan. I am, uh, for uh, the purposes of this podcast, a father of two. Uh, I, they're uh, Cora and Layla. Cora is going to be two next month. Layla is three months behind her. So okay. just getting into the quote-unquote terrible twos, which... I think Cora's already there, already there. She's not terrible, but um, from everything I hear about, you know, just testing boundaries and, and uh, yeah, just, just like working, working with the word no a lot. And, and uh, we're, you know, I'm just, I'm just entering that phase basically. Um, uh, let's see what else I play bass in the bouncing souls, my high school punk band right. of 33, 32 or three years now. Um, Amazing. Also, yeah, it's crazy. Also punk, uh, bass player of the Beach Rats and tattooer and tattoo shop owner. So I'm busy with a with um, avoiding real jobs since high school <laughs> and, and somehow pulling it off. Good though, you're living your dream, man. That's that's amazing. Uh, you probably yeah. would have never thought 30 years ago you'd still be still be doing it. No, I certainly wasn't thinking 30 years ahead back then i right. was barely i mean thinking five years ahead would have been outlandish for me you know i'm like i was i've always kind of been in the moment what's in front of me live this moment kind of thing for better or worse which of course there's a downside to that as well but you know i just try to savor every moment and be grateful and just live it so um so as to not have to live it again in a way you know what i mean to, to right. make the most the of juice it. Yeah, to just juice everything I can out of all the experiences and and uh, maybe hopefully learn something along yeah, the way. That's awesome. Um, so, and you're a dad to two little kids. Things must be busy yeah. around your house. Yes, yes. They just, um, that's why I, I uh, planned this for noon because uh, we just put them down for their nap. Yeah. This is like, the, you know, I'm probably luckier than most that I've got pretty good sleepers and um, they're still napping and we're, we'll get a solid two hours. Nice. Which is, of course, all the time that you have in your life to get everything done. Exactly. You can't you can't be like, well, I'm just going to multitask and like take care of my kids and get this other thing done. Like, no, you just especially with two, like you're just on. You're just on. You're just yeah. You're just correcting them and teaching them and work. You know, like coaching them and keeping them apart and from fighting and, and you know, now it's Layla's turn and share and just, it's just, it's, it's full time. It's a hundred percent full on when they're, yeah. you know, when we're together and we've been together for days today is, um, I hate to say Columbus day because it's fucking pretty gross. It's yep. indigenous people's day. Try to get that, like how to launch that into people's uh, psyche. Right. But, um, so we're home together today when we've been home, for a few days. Yesterday was my birthday and the day before was my wife Nicole's birthday. So we always take that that 48 hours off as just like one big sort of birthday celebration for ourselves. But, you know, it's just been 
it's just been us and the kids and it's been a lot of rainy, rainy weather. So yeah, like, you know, kind of like you guys definitely know, I mean, Edmonton, you know, getting kind of housebound for sure in inclement weather. Yeah. It's tough. And with little kids. So happy birthday, by the way. Thanks. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, totally get that. Like trying to work around the the small amount of time that you have while kids are napping. So I have a, I have a two-year-old as well. She's about to turn three. Um, so we've kind of been going through that terrible twos. We have an older daughter who's about to turn six. We didn't see mm. it quite as much with her, but my youngest, oh my God, it's crazy. Like she's pushing every boundary. So yeah, get, get ready for it. But uh, it's fun too. Like, I, I don't know. Like I, I always look at that as like, as frustrating as it can be sometimes. And I want to pull my hair out sometimes, right? But yeah, um, you see them kind of developing their personality a little bit too, their individuality. Oh, it's, it's so great. It's, it's cool. So, it's, it's like, yeah, it's harder, but it's like so much greater too. Just like people have always told me, like, it's funny, you you know, you, you get the same advice over and over and over mm-hmm. again from, from parents and like, you know, make the most of it. It goes by so fast. That's one like, you're like, uh-huh, mm-hmm. I know. I know you're just saying the same thing I've heard, I've heard since before I had kids, like, you know, but it's so true. It's a, there's a reason everyone says it. It really does go by so fast. And like, there's so, this is such a great age. They're so adorable. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, I don't want, like, you almost want to hold on to that. But at the same time, like the progression is so exciting, you know, like Cora's starting to talk and really put sentences Amazing. together. And it's like, man, I'm getting, a, you know, we're having a conversation. I'm saying things. And like, I know you, and same with Layla, like, she knows more than she lets on you know what i mean she understands everything we're saying she's not like fully talking yet but you know with the exception of words but not really like piecing it together right but they understand you know and that's pretty cool and you know their mom is a genius and that's what makes it a lot easier too like she doesn't take she takes no shit from me or the girls (laughs) so i mean from the time they could walk she's like they'll make a mess and she'd be like, okay, you're going to pick that up. And like, they'll pick it up and then like, they'll throw that away. And they do a little walk over and put, throw things away. And it's like, man, it's genius. Like they don't know. It's like a shitty chore or something. It's just like, well, this is okay, cool. You know, it's all how you present that. And you know, you're like, and meanwhile, you're teaching them like, Oh, when you spill something, it kind of sucks because you're the one that's going to clean it up. Yeah. You know, she's, she's really good at it, man. She just gets out in front of those kind of problems. And like, I'm learning from her, you know, all the time that she was the eldest sibling in her family. Okay. So she just has that instinct of like, and I'm, I was the baby in my family. So like, I'm just, and I'm just also like more of a, every, you know, laissez faire, like guy, you know, just, you know, so it's like almost like, okay, all right, right, right. Okay. You know, I'll be like playing with Layla who's climbing up on the ottoman and, you know, <laughs> and we have this little game where she jumps into my arms and I'm yeah. like, this is fun, you know? And then like, mom will come in and be like they can't stand on that thing like they're just gonna she's been doing that and now she, she'll just fall over and take a header off the thing and like right. bounce her head off the piano and i'm like oh yeah right 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 so like i'm always getting sort of corrected along the way too because everything's just kind of like i'm just like ah, we'll get there we're just gonna get there the long way you know like i'm just kind of like a different style i feel Does like it's good sense? yeah totally i feel like it's it's very similar with my uh my partner as well and um I feel like there's like, there's benefit in having some different styles there too. Right. Cause sure. You can sure. kind of balance each other out a little bit too. And um, yeah, it's good. It's good to kind of have that. Not that I'm not, not insinuating that your partner's not fun with the kids or whatever, but right. you might just have a different approach. Right. And they get to see sort of different sides of, of you and different sides to sort of responsibility, you know, as you're looking at teaching them those sort of skills and those um, I guess those thoughts, about yeah uh, you know that they're going to use later in life there's different ways to look at it yeah as long as like we're pointing at the same thing you know what mm. i mean as long as like i'm enforcing the same rules like so so it doesn't turn into good cop bad cop and force her into the role of being like the bad cop and i'm the good cop and that's not you know what i mean like that's not fair so got to even be conscious of that and like trade roles and yeah. let me be the disciplinarian and yes. let her be the fun the fun parent it's you can't be the important. pushover all the time right that that too you can't be a, a doormat because especially with the kids that age man i'm like and i'm just going into that so i guess like you're just coming out kind of coming out of the twos and then that then there's the three major right is yeah. that a thing like 
is that like most people are like twos weren't bad threes were bad you know so i think it just depends on the individual kid and how you how you raising them like for sure and and the environment that they're in too like like i said about my my older daughter we didn't sort of have as much uh, trouble with that i'll say but um like i think some of it too is our attention's just divided now and so our youngest gets away with way more and so she can push more boundaries and you know what i mean like it's just the way yeah it i think that happens in all families too i i got away with everything it's the baby you know and plus yeah. I was, it was like three sisters and then me so they just like they were just like i don't even know what to do with this kid but <laughs> whatever he's building a ramp that's great he's, he's good it was yeah. also back in the day like when everything was just more i feel like everything was more chill maybe it is up there but when i was growing no. up it was like when i was growing up it was like just be home when it gets dark yep and they didn't, they didn't have to worry about me at all like there was even a six o'clock whistle in, in like the, in basking bridge the town i grew up it would be like a whistle like a fire whistle blew that you could hear all over yep. town and all the kids were like okay that's when we all like go in for dinner oh crazy it's you know i yeah we had a big yard you know, where I had ramp built ramps and, you know, just BMX and skated on everything. Yeah. And I was good. Um, where I live, like, it's just not, we don't really have a yard at all. And, and you can't just let your kid just like go out oh. of the house, like on their own, like, just like unattended, like just go out and be, be back by dark. Like, <laughs> yeah. Not, I feel like that's something that's changed over time. Right. Like it was the same for yeah, me when I was a kid. Yeah. 70s shit. Like, yeah, that was like, everything i've been kind of busy you can just like visibly see the changes like bike helmets was something like you'd get made fun of if you're fucking with a bike helmet right kid. Like, and we were doing we were building jumps that were five feet tall like t- well taller than us you know what i mean like because it was like uh my jumps bigger kind of thing yeah bigger and bigger and bigger is better and it was like we were kind of stupid because we didn't understand the whole concept of a tabletop jump with a platform and a landing yep. ramp so it was just a big jerk off jump where you're going to try to like pull a 360 or <laughs> just a sick tabletop or whatever. You sure as fuck weren't wearing a helmet, you know? Right. Yeah. Now <laughs> the neighbors are going to call child and family services on you. If they see that. Oh yeah. In the backyard. It's like very, right? I guess it's very, it's a lot safer now, but maybe it's, right. is it, or, you know, or is the world less safe? I, you know, you can't, that you can't let your kid just go out and play like, well, everything, it's like everything comes with a trade-off, right? Because I think there's, we talked about the independence and stuff. Like, are we sacrificing some of that by kind of helicoptering over our kids all the time? And that's kind of the eternal question. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to bring some of that old school, like sort of freedom and, you know, find your, find your fun and find your way and work it out yourself. Like yep. not so helicoptery where I can, you know? Yeah. So my understanding I've kind of followed you on social media is your kids are adopted. So yes. we have, you know, all kinds of parents and, and soon to be parents out there listening. Um, are, are you able to talk a little bit about what that journey was like for you guys? My understanding, you know, from personal contacts I have who have gone through that, it's not a super easy process. Um, like what, what was that like for you guys? Um, uh, for a for a simple man such as myself, it, the the prospect from the outside looked daunting to say the least, right? Like huge and terrifying and everything. And I can't say enough good things about the agency that we used. And I think that it all comes down to that. I mean, like okay. you find a good agency and it changes everything. I mean, everything's in house. Um, they hold your hand through the whole process. It's just like, it starts with a bunch of paperwork and some money to sort of like get it through the door. You know, you need to like, here's the percent or whatever, like you throw them some money and you get all the paperwork done. And then, and then there's a series of sort of background checks and things like that. And then there's yep. home visits, right? So there's, there's three home visits where um a social worker from the agency comes and like you know walks through your house and sits down with you and all this stuff and then interviews you together and interviews you individually but all this stuff is like they're advocating for us so like they right. are holding your hand through the process it's not like 
you're getting grilled by the fucking FBI or something. Right. right. It's just, uh, it's, it's chill and it's, fr- it's like easy and friendly. And then you finish all that process and, th- and you make a, this is, this part was weird, but everybody has to do this, right. You make your own, um, profile book. Okay. I don't like that. Just like a, like a, like a resume book or, or yeah. It's a, yeah. But like, you know, how you can order like an iPhoto or through iPhoto or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah not fish like just like where you just assemble pictures and it they print you a book yeah you make a couple you know copies of that and you and it also this part's it's difficult it's difficult because it's kind of weird thing to, to put together and put out there but it's also right. sort of easy you don't have to go too in depth but you have to have like a paragraph and just cover a few sort of like areas about your life like Oh, this is us like a, in our home like world. Like this is us with our dog. Like we live at the beach. Here we are at the beach. Yeah. Here we are with our friends. Like it's this is dad. Like this is dad's job. This is a couple of pictures of him, like doing what he does. This is mom at her job. Like this is what she does. And it's just a, like, you know, a few pictures and a blurb, you know, like a paragraph, you know. Yeah. And you assemble all that into like this profile book. And that's what the agency uses to try to sort of sell you to um birth moms okay and so they're also advocating for birth moms so um a pregnant girl will choose an agency and deal with them and they'll be like they they help um birth mom a lot like whatever her needs are you know like if you're in a in a bind and you need like this i will put you in a hotel room and we'll, we'll pay for food and okay. like and that comes out of like the expecting families money so it's right. so they kind of transfer money from like a family like us to like birth mom once we're sort of that's where some of the money goes to you know right. adoption's expensive but you sort of see where it all goes like these these adoption agencies they're not getting rich and exploiting um expecting families like right. they the money that you know you've got lawyers in house like multiple lawyers there's a lot of that stuff that they've got to deal with and you've got um like i said social workers and, yeah. and like really yeah. capable professionals that all work together it's like a machine you know and then they're and, so, and then like i said the money is going also for the moms the birth moms right and um they'll they'll furnish them with like uh here's three or four or five or whatever of our families take these home look through them and and see what you think and then like so birth mom will pick the parents wow that they want their baby to go with and then it's an open the most all adoptions now are an open adoption okay that's another difference from the past like um i think adoption you know in the 70s and and probably 80s too and stuff like they were all closed adoptions like Pete, my best friend Pete from the Souls is adopted. Never met his like birth parents and is doesn't care. He's like, you know, these are my parents. Yeah. And he's just it just never mattered to him. It was just like whatever. I'm so adopted. Clo- closed meaning once that's done, it's done. There's no connection to the yeah. The there's birth no connection. You can't. Parents. I don't know if he if he even could track down his birth parents or not. I don't know back then. You know, but now it's different. It's an open adoption, so you actually sort of make a plan with with birth mom like for one thing you're gonna you're gonna supply like um updates like three times a year or four times a year for the first two or two years or so it's like four times a year updates photos and like a basically a page written of like this is like cora's really into like this and she loves to do this with her puppy and then blah 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 blah, you know Uh, descriptions and like updates you know and so that's like a little bit of the work yep. and you, but it's kind of cool because you're collecting pictures and you're writing and you're making notes and this is for birth mom. And you're also like, in a way, creating a life book for this child, which is pretty for rad. Sure. You know? I was just going to say that, like, that's one thing we struggle with ourselves is, you know, we got like the baby book and stuff for both the kids and with yeah. our first daughter, we put, we filled out more than we did with our second daughter. And then you just sort of like, time goes by and you don't make the time to you're document busy. that yeah, stuff. You're so busy. So yeah. What a cool kind of byproduct of that. Yeah. 
so that's like, yeah, that's like a little blessing that comes with it because obviously being as busy as you are as a parent, you're not likely to really keep up with this sort of homework, but we do anyway, because we have to. And then it like, after I forget offhand, but after like a couple years, you, it's down to like one a year then or okay. something. And then also like there's, you plan based on birth mom and adoptive families comfort level to meet and okay. like you'll meet through the agency like basically in a neutral place like yeah. the agency will like you know they have a room like this um they furnish a room for this to happen they facilitate it and then like you bring your kids and they can meet their birth mom and you could do that every year and, and then you can go and again this is something that's individuals create based on their comfort level right. and what they really want to do and what they're motivated to do and it's like you you know we could hit it off and like we're gonna now we're barbecuing like every summer uh three times a year whatever or like whatever and everything yeah. in between to yeah. nothing it could just be nothing based on the you know birth mom's comfort level or that kind of thing so right that those are all the details most of the details so and, how, um, how like in terms of the length of that process how long did that sort of take for you guys? Well, if you Google it, it'll you're you're gonna read something like it's a two-year process, roughly average, from starting the process to like having a kid. But um we had we got Cora I think within a within the first year. Wow. Really quickly, really quickly. And then we had Cora, Cora was about seven six or seven months old and we were like fuck we know we want to have a sibling for her we've got to tell the agency mm -hmm. and like you know because because it could take years you know so we got to tell them and we told them and it was like weeks later Whoa. weeks later we got a phone call you know like we have a seven month old girl that we were trying to place um we think you guys would be fantastic blah, blah, blah. <laughs> for like i was in the studio actually with the b-trats and i got the phone call you know I had to like, I'll be back. And I like yeah. went out in my truck and just sat there on the phone and like oh had this God. like, you know, FaceTime with the agency and like, yeah, it's pretty awesome, man. And then, you know, we named them and, you know, these are little details that people might wonder, how does that work or whatever? Yeah. But like, all I could say is that the whole process was really positive and I can't say enough good things about it. And I recommend it. And, and of I've been asked around here by like people that I meet clients at the tattoo shop and stuff that mm -hmm. are considering it. And I've, I've like, I always um, recommend our agency because I think that it, it, it's things seem to go faster with, with them. Um, our, this particular agency, cause Nicole is so resourceful. She went, she got a list of every adoption agency in New Jersey and just like went and printed it out and just went down the line pages of them. And just like cross off everyone that was like religious, just because we're like, oh, it's closed minded. We're not like trying to, you know, you know, whatever. Thanks, but no thanks. You know what I mean? And and we found this agency that had like um, it was like a, a same sex couple with their kid, and we're like, yes, like this yeah. is like an open mind, like open minded, progressive. That's more our vibe. Cool. And uh, so they're really cool, and like they kind of weirdly specialized or I don't know, maybe the majority of their adoptions are like American kids adopted to overseas families. Okay, so like they've got like, yeah, like, um, like a Belgian couple who flies in and, and goes through this entire process, but, you know, plus like a flight back and forth from Europe and staying at a whatever Airbnb, right. you know what I mean? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's another step and it's more money and time, but that gave us this, the advantage of being a local family. So I think like the, the birth moms are like, Oh man, like, so my kid's going to grow up like nearby. So yeah. that's more in reach. Um, so that was an advantage, I think. And perhaps why we, you know, got matched so soon. You know? Yeah. That's really amazing. Especially with Layla it happened so quick. <laughs> it was the like, total easiest, whirlwind. Yeah. It was like the quickest, easiest thing. Um, and like, I don't know, the universe provides, man, like in, in both cases of Cora and Layla, it's the money is like, you don't, it's not the kind of money you just have laying around available, but like 
things just lined up perfectly for us where like Nicole had sold a house and she had, she had a house when we got married, like a starter home. And like the, the value just kept going up and up and up. So she made a shit ton of money selling it and things like that. Like yeah, everything just kind of lined up like a good tax rebate and like a good chunk of like royalty money and this and that, everything just kind of came together in those times where we were able to just pay for it too. So yeah. saving money, it's a combination of saving money and having a little happy windfall like that. Right. But it's kind of like in the ballpark of 50 grand, just in case okay. I'm sure people are wondering. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's like feels outlandish, but it's also within reach. If you break it down into like, okay, 10 grand, that's like, I could say that. And like, you know, things just kind of, Come together and maybe it's more and less depending on yeah where you are experience is going to be different new jersey is not a cheap place and everything's fucking cheaper when you go west of here and right so maybe things are become more affordable but there's that i guess there's that component of like in your case you know sort of lucked out things came together but for you know lots of people there's probably a significant amount of planning that goes into that right saving and planning and and yes, that, and so. if, you know, if you think this might be your path, then you that's you start saving. And yeah. we also we also um became a licensed family with the foster care system because okay. you can you can actually adopt through foster care um or foster to adopt and, and there's a few versions of that and that costs nothing. Right. But but the, the weight is I mean, we've been licensed with them for whatever it's been now, like three, four years and never had a like a that phone call because okay. you know that whole system is is designed to unite fam- reunite families like right. kids with their with their blood relatives and if it's not going to be mom and dad then it's going to be any other blood relative so it's like sort of like first we try to give mom and dad every chance right to reunite with the kid and then if that's in turns out to be an impossibility and the parental rights are terminated then it's every in-law down the line is getting that phone call. And then it's going to be a foster family that the kids are already familiar with. It's been living with a foster family. They would be next in line on every blood relative. And then beneath that is like, like me and Nicole who are just like, we want to adopt. So you're not, it's not something that you can bank on as being like a sure thing or you know what I mean? But, becoming licensed through the foster care system was amazing for new parents to we learned everything like from the ground up you know to because there's you know to become licensed is is you you get pretty vetted you get all the home visits you get you get um the same a lot of the same things but like there are like classes you have to take you know before you're actually did you have like through that process have you had some foster children come through your your home or no not yet. Okay. Um, we, and thank God we weren't ready to, for that. And um, we just kind of knew that we just, we knew we couldn't go from like zero to here's a kid for a year that you're going to give back or yeah. from zero to like, here's a good five-year-old, you know what I mean? Like we we're learning as we go from zero, you know? So that's amazing can, how, would, uh, oh, sorry to cut you off. I was just going to say, it's amazing how you can just figure it out though. Right. Like, um, oh yeah, probably yeah, winging it. Winging it is a real thing. Yeah, it's a real technique. <laughs> yeah, and that you know now we have the internet, so you can just pretty much Google, and we have like okay Google, like we've got the Google Home thing. Yeah, yeah. So like we could you know because you can. Sorry, it it heard me. <laughs> it heard yeah, I'm you, in yeah. the basement, and I've got one down here. But yeah, you could be busy with your hands doing something engaged, and you can ask like a question yeah. and get the answer right then and there while you're setting a timer for something and doing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's a really good tool. And especially since we're trying to like work Spanish into the, you know, speaking Spanish into our home. So you you can ask like, how do you say this in Spanish or whatever? It's like great for learning, you know, at least right now, like until Cora can learn how to command it to do, you know, play Elmo 50,000 times, which is what she's. (laughs) Yeah, that's where we're at for sure. We've got the Alexa devices. (laughs) Elmo, Elmo, Elmo. And every now and then I'll be like, all right, fine. And you ask you to play Elmo and then you're listening yeah. to Elmo for like a half hour. Yep. <laughs> Which yeah. it could be worse. It, it gets worse. I mean, Elmo doesn't bother me. 
Um, I'm sure there's some kids shit that I'm just like, and Nicole and I are the same way. We're like, fuck kids music, fuck kids shit. Yep. <laughs> so like they're listening to, you know, Motown and reggae. Yep. And they're, they're listening to daddy's music and mommy's music. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And you can, you can do that for sure. We, yeah, we're kind of the same way. We try and stay away from a lot of the stereotypical kids music. There's some good stuff out there. Have you, I don't know if you guys have heard of Casper baby pants. No, but that's a pretty funny name. So that's Chris, Chris Ballou. He was the singer of presidents of the United States of America. Mm-hmm. And he started making kids music uh, under the name mm-hmm. Casper baby pants, put out like 20 albums. And they're pretty wow. good. They're actually pretty That's good. Cool. If you're looking uh, for kids' get, music, yeah, we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. I, I know we know it, but we're enjoying like the time before it, it starts yep. because we're still no screens. So we're gonna see how long we can pull that off. Obviously, at least two years. Yep. But like when we get there, we know it's gonna be a thing. Like it'll, you know, helpful learning tool and. To, and like it does stoke them out. Kids' music stokes core out. Like yeah, Elmo she dances and romps around and like it's cool man it's it's educational it's super entertaining it stokes them out so yeah we can't just like deny them of that because we think it's like corny <laughs> but it's cool when they when they kind of get stoked on your music too right on stuff that you like as well and you can kind of oh, yeah. over I mean, that that's yeah, awesome they've, they've grown up with it so like yeah and that that's important to me like i grew up with good music in my you know as a child and um in a pretty musical household and i that did wonders for me and i, I think it will obviously yeah can for anyone and yeah so this is a rad dad show do you consider yourself a rad dad i, I think i'm pretty rad i'm not maybe as rad i'm not like maybe as rad on a on a skate ramp as i used to be <laughs> like i'm not <laughs> rad that way at all really anymore um which was everything to me as a kid getting yeah. rad was everything yeah um on, on, whether it be on my skateboard or my BMX bike. So not so rad that way perhaps anymore, but. So that definition's changed over, over time for you. So what, what yeah. does it mean now to be a, a rad dad? What's a rad dad? Oh man, just, just pulling it off and keeping that PMA all the time. Yeah. Pulling it off, you know, and yeah, try, I like, trying to pull it off. I like that. Like just being there, like just, just getting through I think that's something that a lot of people um, you don't kind of give yourself enough credit for, especially in this world where we're exposed to so much um, outside influence. You can look on Instagram and think, Oh, that guy's doing it better than me. Or, you know, I'm stressed out. Like maybe I shouldn't, you know, what's wrong with me as a parent? Like I think just getting through it's hard enough as it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You you try to compare yourself to perfection and you're, and then of course you're always going to be like, disappointed <laughs> like i'm oh man but yeah i think like just loving them so hard but out love all the time and of course being a dad though that you're right it, it's some sometimes like maybe not enough credits given to all the problem solving and all the like you know you're handling shit there's not going to be any problem because you're going to fix shit all the time like you know but moms are moms deserve all the glory that they get and more i mean shit right it's yeah, I would it's, I, I, I'll take being a dad over I will take being a dad over being a mom like I, I'm from the time I wake up I'm on duty and I'm like doing things and doing, doing I do the dishes but she's preparing the food like I'll take doing the dishes and taking out the trash and doing these I'm like I'm like um unskilled labor guy you know compared <laughs> to mom mom's the planner you know what I mean like she's the professional she's planning out their outfits she's like whoa like yeah you, you I I I'm not that guy. I'm their dad's probably out there that are doing that job, but like I know where my weak spots are. And it's like food planning and preparation and like clothing for my daughter's planning and preparation. Nah, like mom's just got that handled. Like yeah. outfits. Yeah, and every every ready to go. Every family kind of figures out that dynamic, I think, right? Like whatever their that is. I'm the same as you, like. I can't cook. I'm get nowhere in the kitchen. So um, I, I'm with you on that for sure. Um, how we make up for it. You got to make up for it. It's yeah. got to feel equal. You know, you just got to hustle doing all the unskilled shit, but it's all got to get done. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I get them up in the morning, which means like, those are some nasty, nasty diapers, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know 
worst worst at this point like okay like what how do we you know because one of them will blast in bed you know like yeah by by morning that morning diaper bowl of nasty pea soup that like is that it leaked out the diaper and like why why is like one of them shits in her sleep overnight the other one doesn't like yeah. we're trying to adjust the diet so like there's if that's not a thing because we're about to start potty training so we like you can't be shitting the bed <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean and so when we take out when we when we potty train and the diapers are gone like how do we like how do we get that like poop timing right you know like so those are some of the things that like i jump on is you know since i can't plan food and clothing as well so like i just try to like make up for it by doing like some of the like dirty work yeah <laughs> yeah can't be afraid to get your hands dirty as a dad that's for sure no um, man. yeah potty training oh that's a whole other thing i wish i had the answer for you there but <laughs> it's so different we've had two totally different experiences with our kids so yeah what i thought i learned from our first daughter totally doesn't apply to our second so i'm not sure i have any answers for you yeah again i think it's an individual deal but like i think having like these two being so close in age like Layla takes after Cora and will learn from from Cora. And so Cora, I, I, I feel pretty confident that she's going to like really cruise it and really do well with potty training. And then so like Layla will want to be like her sister. Yep. Yep. For sure. Yeah. They, they definitely, that, you know, yeah, they definitely yeah, see ahead. their sibling. No, I was just saying they see their sibling and they want to be just like them. Right. So. Yeah. Having two is, you know, it, a lot of ways it is double the work, but in a lot of ways, it cuts down on a lot of like the work of yeah. entertainment and enrichment and things like that because they're learning constantly off of each other. Whereas like if it was just one kid, like you're just on, you are yeah. on stage. It's all you, it's the daddy and mommy show. For sure. They got to learn everything from you and be entertained constantly by you. And you just, you know with each other you're like oh look they're playing together here just set them up over here like and they're going to learn from each other they're going to play with each other yeah. it's awesome having two it's amazing brian did you have any fears about becoming a dad yeah um i gotta say no because i'm reckless like that i'm just like yeah whatever that's whatever <laughs> let's do it that's the only thing i haven't done i'm just like bring it on ah! you know like that's kind of <laughs> me so i'm not didn't spend any time being afraid like that of like what's to come and uh that's good that i didn't waste any time being afraid because it was just going to be what it's going to be and it's yep. and you're just going to wing it and problem solve the thing the problems in front of you and then eventually the day will come to an end and you'll get to go to bed you know there is that punctuation it's not a run-on sentence so it's not so scary. Um, my biggest and only fear is just being such an old ass dad, you know, and, and my fear is, you know, I want to like, now I want to live as long as a long, healthy life. And that's new for me. Cause I was always like, ah, whatever nihilism. Grr, yeah. Fuck it. You know? And now I'm like, Oh, I want to be like, I want to live really long. So like my fear is that is being like, a decrepit shitty old man when when i have teenagers you know and i need to like fight off their boyfriends and you know but i'm like my knees hurt yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so those, are those are my fears those are perspectives like so yeah, less less dad. about sort of um becoming a dad because there's you know lots of dads will say oh i'm worried i'm not going to know what to do or you know i'm worried about providing for my kids or whatever it is but um you're thinking more about sort of down the line like yeah. I didn't really care about what I did to my body before or, you know, how healthy I was or whatever. Just let's, let's go for it. Let's have fun. But now you're thinking about, are you going to be sort of around and available and able to do everything you need to do for your kids as they get older, which for sure yeah. is, yeah, totally, totally reasonable. That perspective shift. Yeah. Um, so far, so good. Like um, I'm yesterday I turned 52, which is like crazy. And um I don't feel obviously anything remotely like a 52 year old. And I feel like I don't look or act remotely like a 52 year old. Like I'm, I'm at the age where 52 year olds, like, there's a pretty wide, like sort of spectrum of like shitty, obese, like saggy, <laughs> crusty old fuckers at 52. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, I need to always be like, and same with like, you know, sixties 
And 70s, like, here's a fucking rad dad for you. Mark Stern of of yep. Youth Brigade yep. slash BYO Records, you know, punk legend, Mark Stern, uncle to me. Um, like my punk uncle to the Mousing Souls. Yep. Um, just had a baby. Just had a baby. Oh wow, 60. I didn't know that. I'm guessing 60 because Sean Stern is it's 10 years older than me. So I, Sean is 62. Mark's got to be 60, 61, something like that. Just had a baby. Um, he also has a, a daughter who's about 20. Okay. Uh, Madison. I don't know her exact age. So he's an experienced dad, but like a really like a real inspiration, just fearless and just like, and again, like, the Stern brothers, like they don't age, you know, they're, right. you know, punk rockers, maybe you can go either way. Like some punk rockers definitely age, like, you know, well, um, I think there's like something to, um, I don't know if it's like specific to punk rock, but lots of like musicians and artists that we talk to, like kind of are the same, like young at heart. It's that like, I don't want to grow up thing. Right. Like it keeps you young. If you, yeah. yeah. If you feel that way, and you kind of are you vibrate that way i think that just it's all your one being and, and i think you just kind of emanate that and you just are that so like i'm in that way like spiritually or not spiritually i don't know what but i'm more of like a 30 something right yeah. now how i feel you know so but but that being said if there's still like biology is still real and you right. know 70 uh, i have to be one of those 70 somethings that like still surfs you know and like stays it just feels young and just is active and like athletic to within reason you know what i mean yep so those are like that's like my sh a shift for me whereas yeah. like i said i was like the opposite before that i was like well, i just squandering my youth well you talked about earlier um like not thinking 30 years down the road but mm -hmm. now you're kind of thinking 30 years down the road, right? Like what's this going to look like? Absolutely. I, yeah. I, it changes the way you look at the world and your life and your timeline and everything. It, it, it shifts permanently. And so, I also think, you know, I think of everything through their eyes and through their perspective, like what, you know, what the world's going to be like for them. And yeah. So how, how what's, what's, um, how have you changed? I guess if I were to put it to you that way, how has being a dad changed you what's rewarding about being a dad hmm how have i changed i think in a lot of ways i haven't changed you know um cool to know me you know what i mean the same guy i'm the same guy within my band and at my shop and on the road and at home too just i'm the same guy um but yeah being a girl dad i think you just you just you've got this mix of and like uh You've got the protective father thing, mm -hmm. which is like vicious. It's just like it's crazy. Like I, I, I was a little more chill th than I am now. Like without the kids, like I was kind of like, all right, like my fighting days are over, and like you know, I'm just chunk slowing down and chilling out and relaxing. And now like you got daughters, and you're like, oh, yeah. And then like plus like w one of my daughters is black, and my other daughter is brown. So like they. I've always been anti-racist as I've always felt that way. And like when I was a young skinhead, we fought racists. Like we were anti-racist skinheads. So I, so I got that. I was like the little like tough guy thing, you know, yep. whatever. And then that that's long gone. That's like me as a 21 year old or something. Yep. Now I, now it's just like back tenfold. Now I, like I'm really perturbed by racism and I feel like these things are being done to my daughter, you know, like, which right. is, it was always, just, it was always unjust and bothered me that people are unfair to each other and that this kind of hatred exists and this inequality and like, how can you treat another human that way? And these things always bothered me, but now it feels more personal. Yeah. Hits that way more close hard to, to this. Yeah. And it's like that coupled with that, like protective daughter, dad, you know? It's like, I can't even really describe it, but like it kind of boils, it boils my blood like all the time. And I'm like, mom, got to learn how to sort of handle that because I, I, I still keep going. I go back to the old like fighter, you know, like I'm going to just fight. I'm just going to like handle it yeah. like by knocking people out fucking, yeah. and getting 
violent food. I can't. I, can't. Right. I gotta like, I've gotta like wrap my head around that and learn to navigate that some other way besides like with a baseball bat or something, you know? Yeah. But, <laughs> but it, it, America is, it seems like that monster is just like re- re- really reared its ugly head in the last five years. Yes. And, and just like fucking disgusting to see. And uh, I just feel like if you're not part of the solution at this point, then you are part of the problem. For it's sure. Not enough. It's not enough to just be like, I'm not a racist. Like you've got to be active. You have yeah. to be an active anti-racist. And, you know, and if the, if you can't find something that you can do about the problem, the very least you can do is donate money to people who are boots on the ground, whether yeah. it's a politician or some activists that you know that have their shit together and are working on working at the problem like you can always throw a few bucks that direction like that's you giving your energy to the problem to solving it you know so that's something that i've become activated right um, more more than ever i should say you know what i mean yeah as you develop that kind of personal connection to it like i think even on a on a more general level, like having kids makes you think more about community, which I think a lot of us didn't, maybe you sort of thought about that and you want to do the right thing and, you know, be a good person. But now you're thinking about like, what does this mean to be part of a community and to make that a yeah. healthy community? Um, you know, yeah. and, and having those conversations with your kids, you must be thinking now as they're you know, hitting that two years old, you're starting to communicate with them. How are you going to, talk about those things as they get older and prepare them for those types there's gonna of be some yeah there's gonna be some real conversations you know t- trying to i mean there's gonna be a, a number of conversations a lot of conversations that we're gonna it's gonna be like we're gonna get across those waters together yeah. you know one conversation at a time and uh yeah it's just all part of my experience it's all some unique things to my experience being a multiracial family I obviously think about diversity like in my own community and like and surrounding them with yeah. diversity and, and taking them places where Nicole and I are in the minority, you know, like just immersing ourselves, you know, more into that whole culture and instead and, and not just like the punk show, like this is your punk uncles at the punk show. Like that's that's part of their tribe, but like their tribe needs to be a little more than that too, you know. And so broadening our own sort of personal community has been a thing that we yeah i mean engage in and and taking taking you out of your own comfort zone um yep for the you know for the benefit of your kids and stuff i think that's that's really cool um how do you guys how do you guys do that like so you've um i guess in terms of finding those experiences and finding those opportunities for your kids to engage in sort of maybe a, a different community than you would have typically engage with yeah well i mean it's all right here where we live and it's yeah. it's just it's just a matter of like tuning our frequencies a little bit and looking for different things than we used to and just kind of going there you know and just yeah. like whether it's like a, an, an event in a park in you know in the like the next neighborhood over or in block parties and things like that and just meeting people yeah. you know um we don't really we don't fuck with church so but church would have been Mm-hmm. would be a great one for that but uh, it's not your thing know. we just don't fuck with church not my thing um but uh yeah we're just we're still try- finding constantly looking up and finding things like that you know and and like just every black owned business and things like that and we've just shifted you know yeah our our whole sort of like way of doing things and what we look at and where we look and what we do all the time that's always part of the consideration and it's for me it's very exciting and like yeah it's it's i didn't realize like how sort of narrow my world was but and i'm super proud of like the the punk rock community and especially the bouncing souls community i'm super proud of it it's like the best swath of people like you could ever know i'm just like because I, just because we put that out there in, in our world, positive, right? That's what you positive. guys are all about. It's yeah. So like, I, I'm really proud of that, and I'm like proud to share that with my daughters. Like, and mm-hmm. it's going to be great. But also, like, we need 
there needs to be more people that look like them, you know, mm-hmm. and that for whatever reason doesn't exist that much in our, in the punk world for whatever right. reason. I mean, it does, but, and it, the, those bands, you know, you can find bands that aren't all white people. <laughs> They're just, there are fewer of them, but there's still plenty of them. I, I live, you know, in the Northeast where it's the most sort of diverse part of the country, maybe mm-hmm. East coast and West coast. But, and that's, we wouldn't live anywhere else for that reason. Like, can't you know what i mean like the jersey shore has got a good like mix too of people and that's something that i couldn't daughters or not like that's where i want that's why i live here for a reason you know right. what i mean because it's like a quote-unquote blue state and you know what i mean like because it's diverse that's just me anyway you know so right. we're halfway there there's just a lot further we can go and should go and will go and it's it's a matter of unwrapping and and you know, peeling up layers and just exploring and going and doing stuff. Yeah. You know? And your kids, your kids give you that li- little bit more, um, kind of light a bit more of a fire under you for some of that stuff. Right. Like, absolutely. It's, you've it's got a, it's another reason. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They, they're the reason they are the reason. And it's great to have such a reason and it's great to do this anyway. So I'm just stoked about it all. <laughs> I love it. And, and awesome. like, yeah. And it's like, whatever i mean every new thing i discover like that is new and so that's like that's inspiration you know that's what keeps you a lot like that's kind of like that's the wind in my sails inspiration so that's cool because otherwise it's the same old pattern which i mean 32 years still great don't get me wrong but i'm ready for some something a little different myself you know right so it's rad it's really rad to and nicole came from the punk scene too my wife you know she that's how i know her so we're both have we're both already progressive minded people, but like, and so we're both like really stoked about exploring and and kind of broadening our horizons and like, and especially getting a little more culture right. in our lives. So you've got more wind in your sails these days. So what what's next for for you? What tell me what's going on? Bouncing souls, your tattoo shop, uh, all trucks. those things are all firing, man. They're all yep. firing. Um, Bouncing Souls, we are, um, we've been writing songs for months now, once a week, using technology. Oh, cool. Um, you know, just, just, it's, it's a little corny, but I mean, the whole band can get together via Zoom, but Pete and I live nearby each other, always okay. have. Um, and so that's where it starts. And we, we write, we get together and write. And, um, and then we'll zoom George and Greg and we'll all be together and we'll yeah. be like, check out those riffs, you know, and then we'll talk about a song and Greg's been writing a lot of lyrics. And like, we, um, we actually just wrote 10 songs based on 10 different souls fans that we've met. It was part of oh, the, cool. yeah, it was part of the, uh, the thing that we did in response to the pandemic and not being yeah. able to tour, um, we created a Patreon thing where like people could subscribe at different tiers and, yep. and you know, it's like, Oh, listen to us bullshit on our podcast thing on zoom and, or you can watch it or, and then we'll include this and this and this. And at the next tier, we'll include these other things. Yep. And at the very, very top tier was, was all the things on the lower tiers. Plus these other merch items, plus, we will write you your own song, press it on a seven inch vinyl and give it to you. No so way. There was, yeah. So there was, oh, 10 I didn't spots. see that. Yeah. There was 10, 10 of those spots were available, but I think that there was like a glitch. So there's actually 11. Um, so 11 people subscribed, you know, at that tier for one year and, you know, stuck it out for the year. And then, then it was time to write them their songs. And so we would have a zoom meeting and just have a drink with them each person one at a time yeah we got into this rhythm like on a wednesday night we'd meet people meet a person have a zoom like bullshit with them until like ask them questions about their lives like get to know them a little bit jot down some notes yeah and we gave greg this job he was just he's the scribner and he's a, he's a good a great songwriter obviously um and so he wrote threw together something and we just kind of like all like compared notes said goodbye thank you the next day pete and i get together we write we write a song musically. Yep. Um, and then we would zoom George and Greg, 
here's what we've got, you know? And we talk about Greg's word ideas and we assemble a song basically. And, and everything was on very short. We had no time to get in our own way right. because it was like being parents, you know, like right. just all the things that are in the way. So we do this in like two hours time, 12 to two on Thursday, every Thursday, 12 to two, we'd get all this done. And then sent, you know, Pete and I would record guitar and bass, send it to George. George would track his drums over it, send yeah. it back. Then we would like tighten up the guitar and bass right. and do a final. And Greg would sing over it. And then Greg would sing his, you know, and then yeah. we'd go back to Greg and be like, how about this? Try this, try that. You know, but <laughs> all remotely and all like basically on That's these crazy. little short, tiny bursts. And then we'd record it at Pete's studio without fussing too much. And it's just kind of like, not like the big over the top production, just right. pretty, pretty simple. And we, we have 11 songs now um, for, for those folks and yeah. to be pressed on seven inches, which they will get. And then probably take the best of those or the ones we like the best, you know, maybe take a couple of them towards the, a new record. Yeah. And we're also keeping this pattern going. So we're still getting together every Thursday. We're just writing new songs awesome. just because it's start, we're sort of in a rhythm. So we've been creative and active throughout this whole fucking pandemic so since like we you know so the souls have been having slowed down even a, a slight bit and then um we're gonna keep that going and we're gonna go in the studio i think in january okay and record a record so we're gonna record a record we're like business as usual we got shows awesome. you know within reason you know um we're touring a lot next year so yeah. bouncing solos are 100 percent normal active um i have total anxiety about leaving the babies <laughs> right um and going away for like a fucking two-week tour like cora like needs me to tuck her in you know like yeah it's a long hug and it's a whole process so that's gonna suck fucking assholes when i have to leave my family but i fucking love tour and i love yep. playing shows and i love my brothers and i love being on tour so it's just gonna suck and be hard especially for mom and the kids and I, Pete and Greg have already been dealing with this. Yeah. Um, you've got some good, good advice from them. I'm sure. On how yeah. To, yeah. How to it's that. a lot of, it'll be a lot of FaceTime, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of like, Hey, you know, from tour. But, um, so that's the souls, the beach rats wrote an entire record during lockdown because we're okay. all local. So we were getting together with masks on in Brian Baker's basement. Yeah. You know, for one hour a week after work again, like busy people style we don't have the luxury that we used to. We're just like dick around in a jam room all day. So right. again, like I think you get more, you, you accomplish more when you have less time because you don't squander it. You don't fuck around. Like you don't get in your own way, song. right? No, can't get in your own way. We'll get together in a one hour practice. We'll write a song. And we did that every week until we had like a record worth. We went in the studio. We recorded a full length record. This was almost a year ago. This was November. And we're like, oh, this record's fucking awesome. And then we just sort of like didn't see each other for months. You know, yeah. we just kind of like, oh, we did something cool. And we just kind of like blew off everything. And then we kind of like circled back six months later, like we should put this out, you know? And we, <laughs> yeah, what well, are we doing? What label? I don't know. Yeah. So then Baker just, it's so simple. Baker talks to Brett Gurowitz because yeah. they're in Bad Religion together. And he's like, hey, give, give this a listen, you know? And like gave him the record. He's like, yeah, I want to sign you guys. So it's awesome. funny. I think I think Brett was like, I want to sign you guys before he even listened to the record. And then he listened to the record. And he's like, oh, shit, this record's great. Yeah. Uh, so they're oh, really man, actually, awesome. They're really yeah. They're really excited over at Epitaph. We signed a contract, which is also sounds so 90s. Like we signed to Epitaph. Yeah. So there's a Beach Rats record that is being mastered. Um, cause we, we had a finished complete record mixed finished, but yeah. just needed to be mastered. So yeah. it's being mastered. Um, and, uh, it's going to come out, I think this spring on awesome. Epitaph and it's fucking awesome. This record is awesome. So we're really excited about that. I've got, um, a really killer artist working on the record cover, Timothy yeah. Hoyer, who's like one of my heroes in the tattoo world. Okay. 
yeah, check out Timothy Hoyer. Timothy um, Hoyer. Check out yeah, Timothy Hoyer. I think his Instagram is simply Timothy underscore Hoyer, if okay. I'm not mistaken. Um, but anyway, he is gonna paint us a record cover, so it's gonna be as awesome as the record. Um, really proud of that record. So we're sitting on that. That's coming out in the spring. Cool. Um tattoo shop is never been busier and so i own a tattoo shop but it's really just it's really just me and rich cahill it's not that it's like a 600 square foot shop so it's not huge i originally designed it to have three stations but rich and i are just so comfortable in there just with the two of us so essentially it's just me and rich and with a third guest artist kind of coming in and out here and there there's always a third person or not always, but sometimes a third person. But essentially, right. it's it's Rich and myself, and we're both booked out. Like, I had to close my books. I've never been that guy. And you know, I've always been booked out like a month or two, which is nice to always have that demand. But then, like, I think due to COVID, like the demand went through the roof last year yeah. or this this past year. Um, by by April, like by the end of March, I was booked out to the end of the year, and I was like, this is just oh, like. Man this is insane because my life is now like spoken for my entire year belongs to other people. And I can't like, and luckily there wasn't a lot of touring activity, but everything that, everything that would come up, like the band would get an offer and everybody wants to do it. And I'm like, well, fuck, I got to Now I got to find homes for 20 (laughs) appointments, like, because I'm going away for like a week or two or whatever. So I was like, I can't, can't keep you know plus like the the family wants to do something but daddy's like tied down right can't can't go do anything so then i had to close my book stop taking appointments and like i figured out a way that i can just book myself three months at a time and close the book again yep and then open it and book three months and then close it again i have to like control the flow right exactly Um, so i can like kind of like maneuver and be have some maneuverability when when band things come up and family things, you know? So in other, in other words, that tattoo career has never been better. I'm super grateful, all that demand, you know? So it's cool. It's, it's, it's good because you need to be able to count on an income when you have a family (laughs) to support. For sure. You know, it's not like fun money. Like, Oh yeah. Like I'm going to buy another motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) The money isn't for me. It doesn't go, you know, it just goes into the like void of family right. expenses. Yeah. That's amazing. Man. Yeah. Sounds like things, things are rocking and rolling for you. And yeah, I saw bouncing souls here booked up for quite a few dates, 2022. You've had a little bit going on 2021, but you guys have lots planned for next year. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting year as your kids get older, you're getting out on the road more. Start bringing them with. Busy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I kept pulling the kids out of school because daddy's like going playing some cool festival. Like you're coming to England, like we're going to Rebellion Festival or whatever. Like you, you know, they'll they'll get to see. Yeah, hopefully get to see a lot of the world this way. You know. Yeah, and we've like, talked through, to yeah talked to other people who've who've done that right with their kids. I've even talked to uh, there's one dad we talked to, Jason from Mates Estate. They brought their kids on their tour, sort of for a whole tour. And they brought along sort of a nanny and like, they were just sort of part of it. Like they had their, on their rider, like we need these items for the kids. And um, oh, so you can, yeah, you, you can make it work, right? Like there's lots of different ways to do it. So it's, yeah, it's exciting. Little creativity. Yeah. Turn, you yeah. know, be like, all right, we're a band of gypsies now. Like this is, these are your gypsy <laughs> other kids. Like this is yeah. Lux. This is ever, you know, go, just go. <laughs> yeah. Two boys and two girls we have. It'll be fun. I- yeah, it's amazing. Well, Brian, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us today and talk about your experience. It's been awesome talking to you. I really appreciate your time. Um, right. and well, thanks for having me. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to ask, do you have any kind of words for dads out there listening or maybe soon to be dads? I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's like the greatest thing I've ever done. And I've done a lot of fucking great shit. It's the greatest thing you can ever do. Just be stoked. Just be, just be stoked. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, yeah. There's, there's lots of things to, there's lots of things on people's minds as they become a parent 
um, you worry about things, but man, it's just, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Don't, don't get caught up in, in worrying, man. Live in the moment, like enjoy those moments. They're, they're fleeting, you know? Yeah. Look, I'm doing it. I'm saying the same shit that everybody said to me. <laughs> it goes yeah, there's by something fast. to it, I guess. It goes by fast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's true, though. Just enjoy the moments. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I loved your idea of um, and, and might even steal it for myself, doc, kind of documenting, um, you know, kind of making a point to document for your, what your kids are up to and what their interests are and things like that. I think that's a great idea for people out there because um, that's if you can do it twice a year, even, you yeah. know, it's a little harder to, re- to recollect everything that the fewer, you know, the less frequent you do it. But if you did it quarterly, it'd be easy, you know, right. Just jot, jot down notes, man, and pictures and then boom, you're done. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Brian. Appreciate your time again. Yep. It's been great talking to you. Um, and, and thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. Nice to talk to you. All right. That was Brian Keenland on the Rad Dad Show. Thank you so much, Brian, for joining us. And thank you for listening. If you like this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you drop us a review on iTunes. And if you're looking for more Rad Dad's content, find us wherever you get your podcasts or give us a follow on social media. On Instagram, you can find us at, at rad underscore dads underscore show and on Facebook and Twitter at, at rad dad show. And you can also look us up on YouTube for some video interviews as well, including this one. Lastly, Rad Dads is first and foremost a community organization aimed at positive parenting, and you can check out what we do over at raddadsyeg.com. That's raddadsyeg.com. Thanks for tuning in. In the meantime and in between time, stay rad.